in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously spoke about a contrast between what he calls cheap grace and costly grace. Um, He said that, that someone who believes in cheap grace thinks that the gospel says, of course you have sinned, but now everything is forgiven so you can stay as you are and enjoy the consolations of forgiveness. Now, by the way, that is not what the gospel says. The gospel, when we hear the gospel, the free gift of grace, it always changes us. It doesn't keep us as we are. Um, And so what Bonhoeffer says about cheap grace is he says this. He says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. This term cheap grace is actually an abuse of the term grace because throughout the scriptures we see that God's grace is always completely free. It is his gift to us that we receive, but when we receive it, it always changes us. It always leads to a transformed life, and this transformed life that the Bible talks about as discipleship is costly. It's costly. It's not cheap. The way that that Jesus calls us to walk with him often costs us something. It involves us saying no to sin and yes to Jesus' call to obey him and to follow him. And in today's text, we're going to see this dynamic at work. Uh, We're in the middle of a sermon series called 1 John, A Letter of Love. We're looking at this this letter that the Apostle John wrote and, and this theme of love that we see throughout this letter. And in today's passage, we're going to see that John completely rules out what Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. And instead, what John talks about in this passage is that when we receive God's grace, it transforms us, it changes us, and it causes us to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. Um, And it's true of all who believe in Christ, as we're going to see. So um, the way that John talks about this, the way that I'm going to kind of focus our, our thoughts around this today is by emphasizing the seriousness of sin. The seriousness of sin, which is my sermon title this morning. We're going to look at what John says about the seriousness of sin and what implications that has for our lives as Christians. So our text today is from 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, and then we're going to read into chapter 3 up to verse 10. So 1 John 2, verse 28 And we'll read it to 3, verse 10. Hear God's word to us this morning. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, 
And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one lives in him. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Let's pray. Lord, as we hear this word that is... uh, It may be very convicting as we hear it, God, as you speak about the seriousness of sin and and what you're calling us to as as children of God, to forsake sin, to turn away. Lord, we pray that you would would do that, would do that work of convicting in our heart, but also that you would speak of your grace to us too, God, in the midst of this. And so give us open ears to hear um, what your word says to us as we study it together. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, in last week's passage, um, John was talking about these antichrists who were trying to lead his readers astray in what they believed about who Jesus is, right? They were trying to, 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 to corrupt the teaching about who Jesus was. So in last week's passage, John was focused on correct doctrine, on correct teaching, right? Understanding and belief about who Jesus is. In today's passage, John shifts his emphasis to the question of how his readers should be living, how they, how they should be living their lives, um, how belief in Christ should impact how we live. Um, and John actually already touched on this earlier in chapter 2, um, just kind of going back a couple weeks to, to, to chapter 2, verse 3, John said this. He said, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. And and we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that that knowing God will lead us to obey him. That when we know him, when we know his love for us, it will lead us to obey him. But in today's passage, John doubles down on this. He uses even stronger language than that. He says that a believer in Christ will not keep sinning, that continuing to sin is incompatible with being a child of God. And so as I said at the beginning, John here in this passage, he is emphasizing the seriousness of sin. And I want to look at two things today. The first is, why is sin so serious? And then the second thing is, what's the solution to the seriousness of sin? So first, why sin is so 
serious. As I said, John, he makes some strong statements about sin in this passage. Verse 6, reading it again, says, No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So what John seems to be saying here is that, that, that once you become a believer in Christ, once you are living in him, you will no longer keep sinning. And if you do continue to sin, that means you have not seen or known God. Whew, that's strong. Right? In verse 9, he says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. These are strong statements, right? John says that if you have been born of God, you will not continue to sin. In fact, you cannot go on sinning. Now, there's a problem with this because we all know that even after we believe in Jesus, we do continue to sin, right? And we know that, that, that even when we try our hardest to obey God, that sometimes we don't. And actually, John, earlier in this letter, he even acknowledges this because back in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So John says he wants his readers not to sin, but he says that if they do sin, Jesus is their advocate. Jesus will speak on their defense. And, and John acknowledges also, so, so here in that, that verse, he acknowledges the possibility of a child of God sinning, right? That, that even after you've come to faith in Jesus, sometimes we do sin. Um, and in fact, he, he, if you remember this, he even says back in chapter 1, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So, so John cannot be saying that true believers in Christ, true children of God, will never sin. That we will be perfect in this life after we come to faith. Because that would directly contradict what he said earlier in the letter. Does that make sense? Right? So what is he saying? Right? What is he saying here? Well, I believe that what John is saying here is that he is emphasizing the seriousness of sin. He's emphasizing that a believer in Christ cannot take sin lightly. That a believer in Christ, a true child of God, cannot continue in sin in the same way that a non-believer does. That a true believer in Christ will not continue to live in sin in the same way that they were before they became a believer. That there should be a change in that person's life towards more and more holiness. Now, why is that? Why does John say this? Well, in verse 8, he says, He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. So John makes this very sharp contrast between being a child of the devil and a child of God. And in verse 10, he says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. Wow. That's strong language, right? Why is John speaking like this? 
because he wants to emphasize the seriousness of sin. You see, in our secular culture, sin is not seen as serious at all, right? Some things that the Bible calls sin are actually celebrated in our culture, right? In our secular culture. And and other sins are viewed as not a big deal because everybody does them, right? You know, everybody bends the truth from time to time, right? So what's the big deal if we sometimes tell a little fib or bend the truth a little bit or, you know, gossip, lust, cursing, drunkenness, jealousy. These are things that are just normal in our culture. You look at, you know, people around us, it's not a big deal, these things. People don't even feel guilty about doing them. And as Christians, we can also be tempted to think that too. When we hear that message in our culture, ah, it's not a big deal. It's just a little, little this or that. But John, in his letter here, is saying, no, these things are incredibly serious. That they are actually from the devil. And if you are a child of God, he says, you cannot live like this. You can't. Why is that? Why is sin so serious? Because verse 4 says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. That's why sin is so serious, because sin is breaking God's law. It is disobeying the God of the universe. It's not just doing something that's eh, not so great. When you sin, you are violating God's law. You are sinning against the creator who created you. And not only that, but sin is lawlessness. The Greek word here means rebellion against the will of God. It means opposition and hostility towards God. So sin is not just making a mistake. It is not just having a moment of weakness. The way the Bible talks about sin is that it is open rebellion against the God of the universe. It is standing with the devil in opposition to God. It's serious. And so when you think about it in those terms, of course, you can't be a child of God and then live in opposition to God. You can't side with the devil, but say that you're living in Christ. They're incompatible. And so what John is doing in this passage is he is painting a very black and white picture for us. Back in chapter 1, He talked about walking in the darkness and walking in the light. And he said, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Here's the the truth, brothers and sisters. Either you're in the light with God or you're in the darkness with the devil. That's what John is saying here. Either you're a child of the devil or you're a child of God. There's no middle ground. There's no, I'm kind of with God and I'm kind, no. You're either in the light or you're in the darkness. Here's a way that to, to, to look at what John is saying here. Here's kind of a visual. Here are these two columns, right? Either you're in column one or you're in column two. 
And so column one, under column one, these are all things that John lists together. You walk in the darkness, you're a child of the devil, and you continue in sin. Under column two, you walk in the light, you're a child of God, and you do what is right. That's what John says, right? These things go together. And what he's saying is that you can't have some things from column one and some things from column two, right? You can't just, well, I like to be a child of God, but I'd also like to continue to sin, you know? No, 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 it doesn't work that way. Either you're in column one or you're in column two. And so as I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon, there are some Christians who believe in what Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls cheap grace. And if you think about cheap grace, you think, you think, well, there's no problem with saying, I'm a believer in Christ, a child of God, but it doesn't really matter how I live because I'm forgiven. You know, it's fine if I keep sinning because I'm not saved by my good deeds. Jesus paid for all my sins, past, present, and future, so, so who cares if I sin in the future? Jesus already paid for those sins. It's not a big deal. Brothers and sisters, a child of God does not have that perspective about sin. We will not have that perspective. In verse 5, John says, But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. If Jesus came to take away our sins, how could we be fine with just adding more sin? Like there's no big deal. In verse 8, John says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So how can we be indifferent about giving in to the devil's work of temptation when Jesus came to destroy it? That cannot be our perspective. A child of God will not be indifferent to sin. A child of God will not think that sin is no big deal. A child of God understands the seriousness of sin, that sin is opposition to God. And so a child of God will strive to walk in the light and not in the darkness. A child of God will strive to do what is right and to not continue in sin. As I said earlier, I don't believe that John is saying that a child of God will never sin or will be perfect right? Because he, he acknowledges that we will sin earlier in the letter. But what he is saying is that when we believe in Christ, it will change how we live. That we will no longer continue in sin in the same way that we were. So how does that happen? When we, when we face the seriousness of sin, and maybe some of you today, as you're hearing this message, you're feeling a little uncomfortable you're realizing that you've been taking sin kind of a little bit like it's not a big deal. So what's the solution? What's the solution to the seriousness of sin? Let's look at that. Let's look at the solution to the seriousness of sin. I believe that this text points to three different ways that God has provided a solution to the seriousness of sin. He's done something in the past He's doing something in the present, and he's going to do something in the future. So we're going to look at those really quick, okay? 
his solution to the problem, the seriousness of sin, he did something in the past, he's doing something in the present, he's going to do something in the future. So the first is, Jesus paid the penalty of sin in the past. He paid the penalty of sin in the past, which the Bible calls justification. So the first way that, that, that God's solution to the seriousness of sin is that he paid for it in our place. The seriousness of sin, the serious nature of sin is lawlessness, is opposition, rebellion against God. It deserves a penalty. And we recognize the seriousness of sin. What does it deserve? It deserves for us to be judged. It deserves for us to be condemned. The Bible pronounces the penalty of sin as death. If we go back to those two columns, we all start in column one. Every one of us, from the day that we're born, we're all in column one. We walk in darkness. We're a child of the devil. We continue in sin. By nature, that is who we are. And there's no way that we can move into column two on our own. We can't. But Jesus fulfilled column two perfectly for us. You see column two? Doesn't that describe Jesus? Jesus, he walks in the light. In fact, he is the light. He's the light of the world. Jesus is the child of God. In fact, he is the only begotten son of God. Jesus always does what is right. He was perfect. And he did all of column two for us, in our place, because we can't. And here's the good news, brothers and sisters, that when we trust in Jesus, we get moved from column one to column two. We're no longer in column one. We are no longer walking in the darkness. We are no longer a child of the devil. We are no longer trapped in sin. Now we are in the light. We are a child of God. We do what is right. This is what John says in verse one of our text. He says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Hear that. If you believe in Jesus, you are a child of God. You are not a child of the devil any longer. That is who you are. It is because of God's great love for us. Even when we were sinners, even when we were in column one, he lavished his love upon us and he forgave us and he paid for our sin in full. In verse five, verse five of our text says, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. I read that verse earlier, but hear it in a different way now that he appeared, why? So he could take away our sins. And he's done that on the cross. He paid the penalty for those sins in our place on the cross. And so that's the first part of God's solution to the seriousness of sin is that in the past, he paid the penalty. And now we are justified. We are free. We are forgiven. We are a child of God. Now the next part of God's solution is that now we are freed from the power of sin in the present. 
And that is called sanctification. That now we are freed from the power of sin in the present. When Jesus died on the cross, not only did he pay the penalty in the past, but he also frees us from the power of sin in the present. Before believing in Jesus, we were slaves to sin. We couldn't do anything but sin. But when we believed, we were given new life. We were made new. We were, we were born of God. And we were given the Holy Spirit. And so guess what? Now we can resist sin. It no longer has the power that it once did. We can obey God. And so this is God's present work in helping us to do what is right and to no longer continue in sin in the way that we were before. But even when we do sin, we also respond to it differently now. If you go back to those two columns one more time, I want to add one more thing on the bottom of each column. The person in column one walks in the darkness, child of a devil, continues in sin, but they also deny sin. A person who is apart from God is one who will not admit their sin, who will not confess it, but who will deny it. But when you are in column two, you walk in the light, you're a child of God, you do what is right, but even when you fail to do what is right, what's your response? You don't deny your sin, you confess it. You confess your sin. You're quick to confess. And when we do, guess what? We are no longer in our sin because Jesus has paid for it. Your sin is forgiven. You are washed clean. And so a child of God will seek to do what is right and will do what is right through the power of the Holy Spirit. But when we fail, we confess our sin quickly to be cleansed and purified. And we turn back in obedience right away to him. In, in verse 28 of chapter 2, we also get this thing that points to this present solution of the seriousness of sin. John writes, and now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. We saw this language in last week's passage where, where John says, remain in him, right? He said that was the solution to not being led astray by these antichrists, right? Remain in him. And he says the same solution is here. What's the solution? To forsaking sin and doing what is right? Continue in him. So that when he comes, we will be confident and unashamed before him. How do we resist sin? How do we do good in the present? By remaining in Christ, by staying connected to him. What does that look like? It means confessing our sin regularly to him and receiving his forgiveness. It means being in his word, spending time in God's word, being nourished through his word. It means spending time in prayer, regularly connecting to him, right? Inviting his presence into our lives. It means being connected to the body of Christ, being coming here to worship with your brothers and sisters, hearing God's word proclaimed, fellowshipping with one another, praying for one another, right? All of these things are remaining in him. That's exactly what our scripture reading from John 15 talked about. John, Jesus 
gives this image of a vine and branches. And he tells the disciples, the only way you're going to be able to bear fruit in your life is if you stay connected to the vine. You can't do it on your own. And, and so Jesus says there in John 15, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. When we remain in Christ in these different ways, he gives us the power to resist sin and do good. If you find yourself struggling with sin, struggling to do what is good, I want you to ask yourself, have you been remaining in Christ? Have you been spending time in his word every day? Have you been spending time in prayer? Have you been connected to the body of Christ, knowing that you need brothers and sisters to help you with this? Because if you, if you don't remain connected, guess what? You're not going to produce that fruit. You need to be connected to him to do it. Now, the final aspect of God's solution to the seriousness of sin, he did something in the past, paid for the penalty. He's doing something in the present. He gives the, he, he, we no longer have the power. Sin hasn't, doesn't have the power. And the, in the future is that we will be free from the presence of sin in the future. That one day, we will be free from the presence of sin in the future. That is called glorification. That's what the, way, what the Bible talks about it as. When we live in this world, we will continue to struggle with sin. And we will not be completely free from its presence in our lives, no matter how hard we try. No matter how hard we remain connected, to the, we will stumble. We will fail because we are imperfect. There is a flesh that we have that wars against us. Yes, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through remaining in Jesus, we will grow to resist sin and to obey God and to love our neighbor. But we'll never achieve perfection in this life. But one day we will. One day we will. We will never outgrow our need for confession. If you say that you have no sin, you deceive yourself. Remember? We always confess when he convicts us. But one day in the future, when Jesus Christ returns, or when we're welcomed into his presence in heaven when we die, then we will be completely free from the presence of sin in our lives. Verse 2 of our text speaks about this, where he says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. That one day when we are welcomed into Jesus' presence, John says we will be like him. That we will be completely free from the presence of sin. We will no longer have that struggle. We will be glorified just as Jesus is right now. It won't happen until that day, but we know that we have that hope that it will happen. And that future hope actually makes a difference for us in the present, because right after this verse, in verse 3, John says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. So when we recognize that one day we're going to be completely free from our sin, what should that do? It should motivate us to purify ourselves now, in preparation for that day. 
What does it mean to purify ourselves? It's exactly what we've been talking about. Confessing our sin when we do, striving to do what is right, turning away from sin, remaining connected to Christ. And whenever we fall, immediately saying, Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me, purify me again. Because Jesus, again, we hear that promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to purify us from all unrighteousness, right? So here's a question for you. How is God calling you to respond? How is God calling you to respond to this message today? Maybe for some of you, he's confronting you with the fact that you have been taking sin lightly. Have you been falling into a cheap grace mentality where you think it's not a big deal if we continue to sin as Christians? Maybe what God is calling, how he's calling you to respond today is to repent, to repent of that mindset, to to say, Jesus, I am sorry for taking sin so lightly. I am sorry for, 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 for thinking that I can call myself a child of God, but just live in the darkness constantly. God, forgive me. Maybe he's calling you to to, to say, God, change my heart so I would begin to live as a child of God, to walk in the light. Maybe he's calling you to confess your sin today and then to remain in him so that you can bear good fruit. But I also realize there might be someone here today that after hearing this message, you are feeling discouraged. Maybe you are feeling kind of broken because when you hear the statement that John says, no one who is born of God will continue in sin and you just feel like a failure because you don't want to keep sinning, but, but you do, you keep doing it. And maybe you find yourself even worrying, well, maybe, maybe I'm not a child of God because if I keep sinning, then Maybe, does that mean that I'm not really saved? Does it mean that I'm really a child of the devil? And if that's you, the good news is that you are taking sin seriously. Because you're feeling the weight of that. You're grieved by your sin, which is a good thing. But I want you to hear, again, what John says back in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin... We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So if you're feeling discouraged today, don't fear, because Jesus is on your side. He's your advocate. He's the one who defends you when you sin. He died for you. And if you've called out to him for mercy, then you are a child of God. Period. So don't look inward at how righteous you are or how sinful you are. Look outward to him. He's your advocate. He's the one who took your place. He's the one who paid for your sin in full. That's where your hope is found. My hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness, right? So hear this, 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 this verse one one more time. I just want to read this for you. And just let this word, this word wash over you today. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us 
that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are. Brothers and sisters, that is who you are. And so be who you are. Live as children of God. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Say no to sin. Say yes to righteousness. And remain in him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, forgive us for the ways that we can take sin so loosely. For the ways that we don't take it as seriously as you do. Lord, you call sin lawlessness. You call it rebellion against you. Lord, if it wasn't for Jesus, we would all be condemned to eternal death. That is what we deserve. That is the seriousness of sin. Lord, help us to see that that sin is a cancer that will kill us unless we allow you to heal us. And thank you that you have, that you came to pay the penalty of our sin, that you came to break the power of sin over us, and that one day we will be free from the presence of sin. And so Jesus, help us to walk in the light to remain connected to you, to confess our sin quickly when we do, to strive to follow you, Jesus, that we would not live in the darkness any longer. Lord, we can't do it on our own. It is only through your Holy Spirit, only through your power at work within us that we have any hope of this. And so today we come to you and we ask you to do that work within us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.